You're in the group chat emergency podcast because Jack Easterby got told on by Sports Illustrated. <laughs> he did. He did get told. He did. He did get told on. Uh, here's my thing. Not to like downplay this story, but my whole thing, and there were some real red flags that are in there that I will like list out here, but doesn't everything really come down to two things that we already knew coming into the story, which is number one, Jack Easterby is unqualified for his job, whether his current job as interim GM or his previous job that he'll theoretically refer to, which is VP of football operations. And two, Jack Easterby, for someone who hasn't really accomplished all that much, is getting way too much media attention for someone of his role and status. Like, those are my two thoughts on Easterby coming in, and nothing has really changed from those two based on everything in the story. If you've been in the city, then nothing there should have been too shocking. There there were some snippets there that raised the eyebrows, the following players, uh, that type of thing. Uh, the asking how to run an organization a few weeks in when, when, when he got there, when Brian Game was coming off an 11-5 and five season and had all these assets and stuff, uh, that was interesting. But really, it wasn't anything shocking. It just confirmed what we, what we kind of already knew. But the fact that it's getting all this national attention and the fact that now players are confirming it and colleagues are confirming it uh, and whatnot, I mean, it just makes it – it, it makes it more apparent that you just got to move on from this guy. It, and I equate it to a situation where, like, at some point, if a guy is such a pain in the ass and he's not worth the headache, it's not worth keeping him around. Like, James Harden can, kill, can, can run coaches out of town. James Harden can have players yes. say, I don't want to play for him. James Harden – can have all this chaos and he can have all this drama brought to an organization because he's James fucking Harden. Jack used to be, does not bring enough to the table to where it validates him staying with the organization. And I think even regardless of what you say, he does well, first of all, if life coaching and serving is what he does well, then I think that that job has become harder to do because of all the attention that he's getting. So I think that's hard. Second of all, if you just want to consider this a results-based business, and a lot of people consider football a results-based business, just look at all the, the, the tasks that we've heard from Jack Easterby himself, from Bill O'Brien, from Cal McNair, that he's been in charge of. Okay, He's been in charge of improving the culture. He's been in charge of the salary cap at one point. He's been in charge of helping Bill O'Brien with trades. He was Bill O'Brien's right-hand man in the draft. He's had all these tasks that he's been in charge of, and I just want you to go back to when he got here and where we are right now and tell me how many of those tasks, A, are better now than before he got here. I would say none. And then tell me how many of those tasks that he was supposed to perform aren't way fucking worse than when he got here. So just based on the results alone, I, I, I think that you just have to move on. No matter what he does, what he does well, in this situation, in this organization, you have to move on. It would stand to reason that someone who this article painted had such a clear and direct path to Cal McNair and had Cal McNair's ear, it would stand to reason that as little pieces of criticism for Jack Easterby popped up here and there, it was much easier for Jack Easterby to hold back the validity 
of those criticisms, but when it is all put together in this formulaic, all-encompassing takedown of Jack Easterby, it would be really hard for Cal McNair to read that all-encompassing story put together with corroborations from players, other people in football who aren't players, and to not think negatively about Jack Easterby. Because Easterby, if he is as close as with McNair as this, this story paints him to be, then Easterby probably has been able to explain away some of the previous things that have popped up. Oh, Mike Florio, he's making too much of something on my resume. Oh, no, I don't even do the bio on my nonprofit that, that they're talking about. But putting this all together, it's really hard to explain away this laundry list of things that Cal McNair probably didn't know about some of these things. It's really hard to explain these away. And I would think it would be really hard for him to survive as a employee of the Houston Texans because of the negative attention that it brings to the organization. What do you guys think was the biggest red flag in the story? Was it the resume stuff, which they detailed towards the end and they kind of systematically went through here was, we, was Easterby's resume one year, the next year, the following year. Uh, here are some things that are kind of mysterious, which we've talked about, which Cody has reported with uh, his foundation's website and the claim about Easterby being involved in the 50 plus head coaching searches. Was it the resume stuff? Was it the claim that Kraft apparently offered him a lifetime contract? Was it the Hopkins stuff? Was it the players working out despite COVID? Like, what did you guys think was the worst part of the story? To be honest, the red flags were already there. So I don't know. I don't know if it was just anything. I I think it was just a combination of everything. I think the fact that players in the, in the article, it says that players wanted to speak on this because they wanted to get Cal's attention was the biggest red flag to me because that tells me that Cal just doesn't know. And that's, that's the thing to me. That's the biggest, that's the thing that sticks out the most to me is that players are basically saying that they want Cal to understand what's going on. And look, I've said it on our podcast. I've said it on, on, on the show. I think Cal McNair probably in hindsight should have stepped in when the DeAndre Hopkins trade was going on, which, by the way, Bill O'Brien still deserves most of the credit for. He really deserves most of the credit for all this because he was the one yes. who wanted Easterby the most. So we got to make that clear. Bill O'Brien wanted Easterby, uh, and, and now Easterby's still around, so he's the one that's getting the brunt. But I, I, I think that the, with, with, all, with, with all these red flags, and if you look at the, the Easterby thing, the, the thing that sticks out the most is you, you just you, you got to – you got to move on from the guy, and I don't, I, I don't know how you can, if you're Cal McNair, not step in here regardless of what the next GM wants. Like, you didn't do it for the Hopkins trade, but in this situation, it shouldn't be up to the GM to keep Jack used to be around. You have to step in, and you have to make this call. And I, 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 think, it's, I think it's important for Cal to do that. And I also think it's important to do that because of what J.J. Watt said when Bill O'Brien got traded. He talked about, you know, trust issues with fans, and it's good for our fans to be, you know, pulling for us and going in the right direction. That trust issue is still there as long as Easterby's in that building. So if that really did mean something to J.J., that trust issue is not gone. As a matter of fact, it might even be magnified 
if somehow Jack Easterby survives uh, with a new regime and we keep moving the goalposts and letting him do, you know, different tasks and, and just linger around the organization. I think that the, the, there were two things for me. The one was he just had his fingers in everything. He wanted he – he's ended up as the interim GM when he wasn't even nearly as qualified as a lot of the people that are in the front office to be the interim GM. He was messing with the day-to-day – like operation of the franchise. The, the article said that stuff that previously people just did were a task, were a routine. They now had to ask for Jack Easterby's approval or clue him in. And like that was, that's clearly about just amassing power and knowledge within the organization. So I think that's one of those things. The other one is the statement that McNair and Easterby gave to SI Cal McNair contradicted himself from a few weeks ago, a few weeks ago when he said the next general manager will decide what Jack Easterby does. In the statement, he says the next general manager and myself will decide what Jack Easterby's role is with the organization. Well, if his role is with the organization and Cal McNair said, well, we'll consult with him if he has knowledge of somebody that we're going to interview or we're trying to interview. And then this story lets us know that the reason he ended up in New England was Brian Dayball. If Easterby has any sort of power and he has Cal McNair's ear like we, like this story says he does, and he gets to stay, isn't Brian Dayball the next coach? Hold on. I'm a little confused. I'm, I'm looking at this statement. I'm looking at it right now as, as, we, as we're talking. So Cal is saying that Jack Easterby is not on the internal search committee, which is Jamie Roots and Cal McNair, which, by the way, Jamie Roots shouldn't be on that committee either. It should be just Cal McNair, side note. But – so wasn't the thought process that Jack was going to have a role in that, or was I out to lunch on that? Well, the, the, he said that he would consult with Jack when they came across someone he had knowledge of. Yeah, because yeah, my, my, he said he would. He said he would consult with knowledge, but he made it clear that Jack had too much to worry about when he was on Texans radio. He said Jack's going to be in charge of football, uh, so me and the committee will be in charge of GM. That was what he said before. Okay, because my impression was that the stance before was that hey, I'm going to tell the media three to four times, Jack Easterby will not be the GM. He'll play a role in the search, but he's not going to be the GM. So that, that was my impression. The tune has changed, too, from the next GM will decide to the next GM and myself will decide. That, like, yeah, that's- which, well, that doesn't, that, that doesn't bother me as much because ultimately, like, the owner is responsible for everything going on in high-level football operations. Um, but it, it, you are correct, Cody. It is a distinction. It yeah. is different. And so if Easterby has say, and I mean, I think it stuck out to me, the, the day ball connection. Um, and that was one of the things that, you know, really kind of beat me over the head in that story that not only do they have the same representation, day ball helped him get to new England, which assisted in his rise to power here in, in Houston. Cause if he doesn't have the new England job, he never gets the Texans job. And so, I mean, does he owe Dayball a favor? Does he try to get Brian Dayball the head coaching job? I mean, we, we connected the Dayball Easterby dots a couple weeks ago. Sure, as mean, that they have the same represent that. that they have the same representation. I didn't know as the story and that so, they were in New England together. I didn't. I mean, yeah, right. But I didn't. I didn't know Dayball recommended Easterby to the decision makers. That's what that story said. That was new information to me. So, does Easterby feel like he owes Dayball one? Is that Brian Dayball going to be the coach in Jack Easterby's eyes? Like. I don't want this guy anywhere near the Houston Texans. Correct. Right now, I damn sure don't want him anywhere near, oh, well, if Jack has knowledge of somebody, we'll talk to him. Well, yeah. 
okay, well, I, I hate everybody except for Brian Dayball. Oh, why, Jack? Well, because uh, I think he's a really good coach, and he helped me get to New England, where I became I heard- a multimillionaire. Well, I have a question, though. You know, Landry mentioned a little bit earlier, a few minutes ago, that, well, Cal McNair has to get rid of Jack Easterby. I, I agree with that for the reasons that Landry listed. Like, it just from a fan standpoint, there's not there's no trust in the same dynamics of O'Brien. The fan base still exists here. But, like, so what does that mean? I mean, I know Landry has said that they know who the next GM or maybe the next head coach is going to be. How does that how does that fit in with the idea of, well, Easterby has to go? Like, well, you that- have to – well, to me, and, and this is just – and this is what I've, I've kind of assumed from the beginning. I'm assuming that when they came into the season, Bill O'Brien and Jack Easterby were the heavy lifters when it came to the operations of COVID, uh, the day-to-day operations. And you've heard O'Brien and Easterby both say that he helped with that. So I think you had to write it out maybe – to the end of the season because okay. there were only two guys who really knew. So you can't just get rid of them and then start all over or bring someone in. I feel like they kept a lot of stuff to the close to the vest to where there weren't a lot of guys there. The Texans can't come out tomorrow and say, we fired Jack Easterby. That would be the <laughs> stupidest thing I've ever heard because then all of a sudden you're giving validity to all this and you're basically saying everything they said was true. We didn't know, so we do that. So he at least has to finish the season. And then when they hire the GM, they'll just part ways with him. And it'll be like, we thank Jack for his service. Uh, we've decided to go in a different direction, so on and so forth. Like, they, it, it's not like they can immediately react. Like, even if they're pissed off about this story and they say, are you kidding me? They can't fire Easterby today because then it just gives validity and then everything just kind of blows up uh, even more, if that makes sense. That, that, would, yeah. be, that would be yeah. pretty moronic by them. Yeah, I agree. You, you don't make this decision tomorrow or, you know, Friday afternoon news dump or anything like that. No, but Jack Easterby cannot like, like as soon as week 17 is done, as soon as the clock strikes zero, that's when the, the process of announcing who the GM is and announcing who the coach is, that's when that is the only focus in the building. And Jack Easterby cannot be a part of that. He cannot be a part of that. And this is the other thing. Like, I don't think there's going to be any backlash for firing Jack Easterby. Like, I, 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 think, I think there's context. <laughs> be a parade. Well, I'm saying I don't think anything bad can come of it. Because yes. I think Bill O'Brien can still go gangster. And, you know, his camp can still leak stories. And they can still make the Texans look bad. And when they fire somebody, Bill O'Brien's camp can come through and do that. I don't think Jack Easterby has enough skins on the wall. And I actually said this today because I make fun of Bill O'Brien a lot. And, 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 and I want to make this clear. I think o- O'Brien was the one who wanted Easterby, so he still deserves the brunt of this. But O'Brien's gone, so he's not our problem anymore. Easterby's the problem, and Easterby is the, is the stench and the lingerer still left at NRG right now. And, and, and fans aren't happy with it. Uh, that's just the reality of the situation. But Bill O'Brien could at least hang his hat and it was funny, and it was amusing, and there was a gray area to it that made it even more laughable. But he could say, I only had one losing season when I was here. And he could say, we've won four out of six division titles, blah, blah, blah. And he could hang his hat on that. What is Jack Easterby hanging his hat on? Like, what, what, what is uh, Jack Easterby's place in this Staley. organization? What is he hanging his hat on here? What is, it that, what, what, well, what, what is it What is it that I can say that Jack Easterby's done here that he can hang his hat on? What's he hanging nothing. his hat on? 
Nothing. Yeah. There's the, because if you look at all those stories, it's like, Hey, Brandon cooks likes him. Derek rivers likes him. That random Austin Exford guy who I've never heard of, who was apparently part of the practice squad in 2019 likes he used to be, but I, I've had this question for the last like year and a half or so. And I, I'm like very sensitive to this, like as an attorney, just the element of conflicts of interest. Like every story about Jack used to be talks about the fact that he is a character coach and he's somebody who people can confide in. The problem to me is that there is a conflict of interest when you are having coaches and players, especially confide in you. And yet you have some sort of role in whether they stay or whether they go. That to me, like is an inherent conflict of interest that I have a major problem with. I should. So, so I think, I think, and this is something that, that, people who have hinted at with Easterby is he tries to insulate himself because he doesn't make the decision. Okay. We, we heard very clearly that Jamie roots fired Amy Palsic. Yes. Okay. That was very clearly stated. Ian Rappaport attributed that firing to Jack Easterby's suggestion. Well, he doesn't have the power to fire her, but he can tell the owner who then tells the president of the team to make that decision. He can't fire Bill O'Brien, but he can tell the owner, eh, we should probably get rid of that guy. And the owner can fire Bill O'Brien. So Jack Easterby, while he doesn't have the power to do that, I think that's what he would tell you. Oh, I, I don't, I can't do any of the things that you've accused me of doing. Yes. I understand that you can't legitimately walk up to someone and take, relieve them of their job, but you can make that suggestion. And then someone takes that suggestion. And I think that sort of insulates him. And, and Florio has accused him of trying to insulate himself many times from criticism. And unfortunately he's been unable to do that because we now know what the real story is. And we've talked about what the real story is with Jack Easterby for a while. Wasn't the Amy thing more of a Jamie Roots and Amy Palsic thing versus Jack Easterby? Like, I'll, I'll criticize Easterby for a lot, but that didn't seem like an Easterby thing to I was, me. I was just using that as an example, and that's what Ian Rapport said. So, Ian, Ian, Rapp, Ian Rapport makes that, that declaration, you know. I, I don't even know why that matters. Like, I, look, I, I'm, 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 I don't – I mean, look, there's, there's a lot of stuff to pile on with Easterby, but we don't know whether firing Amy Palsic was like a, a, a I, fucking – I, like, I understand. When we, when we, like it's 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 getting really corny to me that we're sitting here and we're sitting. First of all, do you think the Texans have handled PR perfectly the last two years? The answer is no. Okay, so it was like, just an this, example. I know, but everyone's doing it, and it's like uh, trading DeAndre Hopkins, uh, giving bad contracts to Randall Cobb, Eric Murray, uh, <laughs> firing Brian Gain. Firing Amy Palsic. Like, leave that out of that. Leave that out of the conversation. Like, who, who cares? Gain is probably the example I should have used. Jack Easterby did not have the ability to fire Brian Gain, but he could make Very a recommendation fair. to fire Brian Gain. That was probably this is, this is, more this is the thing that uh, This is the thing that, that really, and I think Mel subscribes to this, this is the thing that really, like, really pissed me off about that story, is Brian Gain becomes the general manager of the Houston Texans. The Texans go 11-5. and five. Deshaun Watson plays his first uh, has his first full season as a starter. You have, I think, the top five highest amount of cap space heading into the uh, off season. You keep that cap space. You maintain that cap space. You have multiple draft picks uh, in rounds. You have all these assets, and you're trying to start something. And it looks like things are looking okay. Yes, the offensive line's not where you'd like it to be. But again, you did go 11 and five with a bad offensive line, and you have assets 
that the Texans are dying for right now. Who the fuck does Jack Easterby think he is to come in here as a life coach, not even a personnel guy, as Bill <laughs> Belichick himself, who he was working for, said, and ask other organizations how to build a good culture and how to run a football team. Who is he to come in here when Brian Gain is, it ha- has things going that way and start asking around and going behind his back and, and asking those questions? And, and again, maybe Bill O'Brien wanted to get rid of Brian Gain too. I think, I, I think there's context clues and there's people that say that. But Agreed. who does Jack Easterby think he is to come in here and, 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 and speed up that process that was ridiculous to begin with. Listen, I, I couldn't say that any better myself because ultimately, while I think culture is super important in, in the NFL, and I think it's even more important the more I follow and cover this, the culture on an NFL team is largely your head coach. And when you think about that situation, like where they were heading into the 2019 offseason, the problem was, yes, they went 11-5, and five, but they had a humiliating game against the Colts. The issue with that is not the culture. So guys like Easterby coming in and saying, well, there's a culture issue. Here's what we did in New England. Listen, that game and the inability to show up in playoff games reflects on the head coach's ability. Like, that was the problem. Now, I'm sure O'Brien had issues with Gain not being aggressive enough. I, I feel like O'Brien probably re- wanted to re-sign Tyron Matthew. They didn't do that. But, like, when it comes to the issue the Texans were having – from 2018 to 19, if we were talking in like January or February 2019, the issue would be, yes, we need to improve the offensive line. Yes, we need to become better. But ultimately, the big question here is, do we have the right head coach? That was the question at that time. And the other thing is this, like, doesn't that sound idiotic if that's the beef you had with with Brian Gain that they didn't didn't bring back Tyron Matthew? Like – he, was, he wasn't going to be, and he wasn't the same player here as he was with the Chiefs. So making him the highest paid safety in the NFL made no sense. Like, it made no sense. You look at this team and you look at this roster, not bringing back Kareem Jackson and not even talking to Kareem Jackson was more foolish than letting Tyron Matthew go. You, you, you've needed a pass rush. You, you, you've misevaluated that. So if, if, if Bill O'Brien just turned his back on Brian Gain, and we keep hearing this and it's a clear leak, from Bill O'Brien because Bill O'Brien leaks stuff. Let's just be honest. Then that, that, that right there tells me all I need to know because you didn't bring back Tyron Matthew. Well, y'all didn't use him right in the first place. So that, 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 that little thing bothers me. But also, what, what does Easterby have to do to not work here anymore? Like, what, what exactly does he – what has to be done for him not to work here anymore? Have, have y'all ever, like, babysat an, an obnoxious kid or – uh, had had like a nephew who's probably got ADD and probably needs to go see a doctor and you have a bunch of toys and all of a sudden like they'll start playing with Legos and they'll just leave the mess of Legos on the floor and then they'll go over to the puzzle and they don't want to play with the puzzle and they just leave that on the floor and then all of a sudden they're going to like finger paint or something like that and they leave that on the floor that's like Jack Easterby culture guy salary cap guy uh working on the draft guy like he's had all these responsibilities and it just seems like whenever they don't work out he tried to be the gm basically with bill o'brien whenever they don't work out it's like oh maybe we'll keep this guy around and let him do something different for what like what does he have to do to, to 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 not work here anymore it is it is very clear it's never been more clear i mean we've said this for a long time jack easterby's intention was to be the general manager of the houston texans that was his intention 
and he tried to get, garner as much experience in all these different places. And I wouldn't be shocked if firing Bill O'Brien was part of his attempted ascension to general manager. Because so what could, went wrong? He 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 didn't expect the the pullback uh, and the firestorm around all the extra. He didn't he didn't cover his tracks well enough. I mean, well, I I think what went wrong was, uh, I think he thought that the floor was much higher than it was, and he thought as long as you had Deshaun Watson, you could have maybe a down year that would be eight and eight, nine and seven, or something like that. And he thought that he could jump in after Brian Gain left and be kind of the right-hand man to Bill O'Brien and that there was no way they could screw it up to the point where you'd start out 0-4 or you'd trade DeAndre Hopkins or you'd have such a, such a bad roster uh, like you do now uh, to where Bill O'Brien would get fired. I think he latched on with Bill O'Brien. I think that was probably the original plan. And I think he just did not – foresee that him and Bill O'Brien as a duo could screw this up as bad as they did. And he didn't expect it blowing up as quick as it did. And he thought you'd be in the nine and seven, eight and eight, maybe 11 and five, 12 and four every other year type of thing. I I think, I I think he, I think he underestimated how shitty him and Bill (laughs) O'Brien would be as a duo running an NFL team. Yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, because I, I don't know what the record is that they would have had to have achieved to make sure Bill O'Brien didn't get fired. But we know that 0-4 was too much for Cal McNair to stomach, perhaps at the behest of Jack Easterby. And Easterby probably saw an opportunity. Oh, okay, they're going to turn this around. They're not not 0-4 bad. I'll be the interim general manager. I'll do a good enough job as the interim general manager that um, I can then uh, parlay this into being the general manager and then we'll just hire a guy that I like that's going to be okay with me being the GM. And then well, they, it, it just didn't work out that way. It also seems like they vastly underestimated the mood around town and what the reaction was going to be to the Hopkins trade. Because that to me was like the moment where they crossed the Rubicon and everyone went crazy. So they'd already went into the season, even, you know, six to nine, six to seven months later, where people were already being uh, really upset. So it yeah. seems like they underestimated that part as well to me. Rubicon, huh? The Rubicon. But I have a couple others. I have, a, I have some specific points from this story I'd like to bring up to you guys and, and get your take. Wait, before you do, because I know I have less than you do, how about the, uh, the awkwardness of Jack Easterby trying to sound um, like he was with the culture and referencing – Oh, God. Uh, <laughs> referencing well, – I, I don't remember what the story said exactly. Remind me. Remind me. I, I got to tell you all something when we get off about that. Okay. Well, basically, I don't like. Let, I don't like. Let, I don't let, like. Let, let I don't like. Let, I don't like doing stuff like that. But I'll just say, I, I, I don't <laughs> like saying like, "Oh, I know what you don't know." But that that was one. That wasn't even surprising to me. I'll okay. Just put so it let that, me, way. that was that was like that was the most unsurprising thing in that whole story to me. And well, then, let, let me let me set then, it up. And then I have one more small one. I think they went a little heavy on the Game of Thrones thing and overestimated <laughs> how many people would catch those yeah. references. I had no idea what that was. <laughs> 
Uh, that, that, was what, that was what amused me today is like sitting here feeling like, you know what makes me a little bit joyful today? In a, in a, in a, in a, and I say this in a benevolent way, is thinking that Landry's reading this article being like, who the, who the fuck is this Peter Baelish guy? Yeah. Who is, <laughs> who are, who is who Littlefinger? Is, and like, the best part is Landry would, wouldn't call him by, he's like, Landry's probably thinking, who's this little hand guy? Like he wouldn't remember yeah, the name along yeah. the right way. All right, Mike, I, I, go, go through your list of, of things from this story. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Uh, okay. So just a couple of quick things. We can go one by one. So this whole story about Texans players during COVID-19 or like, I guess we're obviously still in it, but like during the off season, working out at the strength coach or assistant strength coach, Mike Eubanks's house, then basically saying, well, you know, Easterby had to sign off on this because he was the head of football operations. That really does nothing for me. Like yeah. that, that to me, that, that's, that's a reflection on Bill O'Brien or the organization, not, not Easterby. That doesn't really bother me too much. Was that the home gym Nick Martin went to? I was wondering that. Yeah, that didn't, that didn't do anything for me. Uh, are, are we supposed to act like 31 other franchises didn't have the same thing? I wonder the exact same thing. Here's number two. Uh, the player who was convinced he was being followed. Okay, pretty intriguing story, but there was no resolution. Like, the story said, okay, well, this, this unnamed player hired a friend to watch a sedan parked outside of his house. He logged license plates. Where's the finale to that story? Was the player followed? Was he not? Because you could have guys who believe in all sorts of conspiracy theories on a, on a football team. There are 53 guys on a team. I would have I loved to know if that player maybe confronted them about that. But maybe that player wasn't in town anymore to confront them about that. Yeah. I mean, that just seems a little, that just seems a little extreme. And they kind of left it as like, as like unresolved, essentially. The gambling problem's clearly clowny. Like I, I, I won't, I, like that's, hmm. that's, that's obvious. I mean, they leaked it out about him being at the poker tables or whatever at the Greenbrier. All oh the yeah. Blackjack. Like that, that, and, that was leaked. And that oh, was well. And then that his was team clearly that that was clearly Clowney. Like, and, like well, let's not even sugarcoat. If you guys, it. if you guys remember, Clowney missed a preseason game because he was hurt in like 2015. Oh and yeah. Someone posted someone posted a photo of him at like one of those Louisiana casinos. I think yep. it was like in Lake Charles or something. But, yeah. And and then <laughs> and then it was like he's actually not a huge gambler because nobody thought he was a huge gambler and nobody could co-sign that he was a huge gambler. Like, <laughs> what do you mean huge gambler? Like. He gambled large money, large sums of money. Newsflash: When you have more money, you gamble more money. How many millionaires go to the ten dollar blackjack table? Good point. Zero. My other thing was, and I don't know how much of a big deal this is, really, but like the fact that on so Eastby's foundation that in twenty nineteen he put that he worked an average of forty hours a week on their nine ninety tax return. That's kind of not, weird. Not just I've looked at all these. Not just twenty nineteen. I mean, he's he's been listed as the the, the this the layman's terms is the primary caretaker of this organization pretty much the whole time, and he's been compensated as such for his time that he puts in on this organization, and mm. it's the total compensation through the through 2019 is close to half a million dollars. Wow, and, well, it, it, and that and, that's bizarre. And a lot of times the expenses for his organization, because that's in the tax stuff. This is public record. Yeah. A lot of times the expenses are skewed towards employee salary <laughs> and travel. It's also worth noting that it's been reported Jack Easterby was not paid yeah. 
initially when he was with the Kansas City Chiefs. That was weird to me because so put 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 all of what I just told you together. Yeah, that's a weird one to me. Salary, travel expenses for his organization. Yep. And he wasn't paid when he was with the Kansas City Chiefs initially. I mean, that's weird because they 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 explain the story how he was like at the he was like you know kind of rising through the ranks. But that was like that was early when he when he latched on with Pioli and all those guys in Kansas City. And I'm like, okay, flying from South Carolina to Kansas City is not exactly like fly, flying from New York to DC. Like that can't be cheap to do on a regular basis for someone who doesn't well, have any money. Well, and he he wasn't flying from South Carolina because he had another job. He was like an associate athletic director or something for the school that he went to, uh, Newberry College. Where the hell well, is that? It's in we know? Uh, Massachusetts, I believe. Okay, okay, okay. Well, yeah. still, that's not going to – I thought it was in South either. Carolina. I don't think so. Well, do regardless, that. he was flying regularly for free to Kansas City, which is not that easy of a place to get to unless you're, like, in the middle of the country. So he had – so at, where did he have the money oh, to no, do that? Oh, no, it is in South Carolina. Apologies. It is in South Carolina. Okay, that's fine. Yeah, yeah Andrew, the same principle. You're right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Another thing that really bothers me here, and, and I don't know what the strategy is. I don't know what the layout is. And, and quite honestly, I don't know that it would make sense uh, at this point. But Peter King brought it up today. Uh, why doesn't this guy talk? Why isn't he saying anything? And of course. If you told me, like, this guy never wants to talk, okay, I could understand that. But I was happy to jump the out there. I watched him during the offseason at the effing draft. Uh, doing press conferences right after. I watched him whenever Deshaun Watson signed his contract, uh, grab the microphone basically before and take questions and talk about how, oh, this is so magical. This is how I got this done. And, oh, yeah, we're so happy with our team. And this is about two families. And Deshaun Watson's the greatest guy ever. And this is a huge part for our organization and all this type of stuff. And then all of a sudden he goes in hiding. So is this a strategic thing for him not to talk? Uh, is it an example of him kind of sticking his chest out? And then as soon as stuff hits the fan, he goes into hiding. I, I just find it very interesting that this guy's talking all the time during in the off season when the record's zero and zero or when the franchise quarterback gets that new deal uh, and everybody's excited. But now all of a sudden these questions come up, the coach gets fired. Hell, you're named the GM now. And I haven't heard a damn thing from you. I've heard Romeo talk about trading Will Fuller. I've heard Romeo talk about moves. Uh, I've heard Cal say more. Uh, uh, I mean, Cal said more than Jack Easterby since Bill O'Brien got fired. We well, haven't heard a peep from Jack Easterby. In, in, in Jack Easterby's statement, he said that if there is additional work to be done to gain the trust of others, I'm committed to make that happen. He needs to sit down and talk publicly, take questions. But I don't know if it's good for him. Like, that's it's, the other oh, thing. It's of, cor- of course it's not. Well, then that's why he's not doing it. But it's, it's, it's just funny because when things were going – or when he thought things were going good and there was no tangible proof that his and O'Brien's work uh, was a disaster uh, personnel-wise, that he was just out there boombastic with his chest out, and now all of a sudden he's, he's MIA. There, I, I anticipate that the next time we hear from Jack Easterby – will be um, in a church <laughs> religious-based setting when he is no longer affiliated with an NFL team. So do you expect the Texans to basically quietly what? let him go after the season comes to an end in four weeks, basically? Isn't that the way they should do it? 
That's, that is the way they should do it. I mean, I, I agree with everything you guys are saying. I mean, I, my, my opinions on media accountability are, I think, it, at this point, well-known. Like, you can't, you can't have a GM and a coach, and the, the GM never speaks. It's, it's is, preposterous. Is there a chance that Jack Easterby is with the Houston Texans in 2021? Obviously, the season ends in 2021, but is, he, is there a chance that he survives through any portion of the offseason – or any portion of the preparation for 2021 once there's a new coach, a new, new general manager? Is there for any me, chance? For me, yes, because I don't really trust Cal McNair to make the right decision. So I'm 50-50 on it, but yes. But if, if I'm 50-50, it means there's a chance, yes, for me. Uh, I'll say, damn, I'll, I'll say no, just because I don't, I, I don't know that there's payoff for what he does. Uh, so I'll say no, just because I think the value of what he brought to an organization has been wiped away. Uh, I, I, I think what he did and the job that, that he did in New England and, and the job that the Colts wanted to do, him to do uh, and most quality organizations would want him to do, I think it's a job that the best work is done behind the scenes. And when you're a distraction – and when there's trust issues with former players and there's this much smoke, I just don't think that any value that he would have had to the organization exists anymore. I think he's ruined that. Yeah, you, if he's not going to be the general manager, which Cal McNair has stated he's not going to be the GM, not going to be the head coach, obviously, how do you put him back into a role where people have to confide in him, believe in him, and trust him when – this story that SI put out is all about how people don't trust him. They shouldn't confide in him. And I just don't see how he could be back in a role with a job description like that when that has been erased. I mean, it's, it's really, it's, you know, you hear people talk about the next GM and you talk about the next coach and you bring up a name like Nick Casario, you bring up a name like Josh McDaniels. And there are fans that say, I want no part of that. I don't want any part of the Patriot way. Look at what's happened with Bill O'Brien. You know, look at what happened uh, with Matt Patricia. This is that on steroids. Like, this, oh, yeah. is that, this is that on steroids because say what you want about B.O.B., and I've said it all. Say what you want about Matt Patricia, uh, and it's, it's been said. But those guys at least deserve the opportunities they got. They at least deserve the opportunities they got. Yes. And they failed miserably at them. But it's the Patriot way gone wrong. Easterby was in New England for six years or whatever it was. And he somehow thinks that because he followed around Bill Belichick or because he, you know, played catch with Josh Gordon or because he, you know, read a few scriptures to some players and stuff, he could come here and be the general manager. He did not deserve to be a general manager. He did not deserve to be a personnel guy. He did not deserve to come in here and look over Brian Gaines' shoulder and say, this guy who has an 11-5 and season and all these assets doesn't know what the hell he's doing. I do because I was in New England. He didn't deserve that. So it doesn't make any sense for him to still hang around when it's just it, – it's, it's the Matt Patricia, Bill O'Brien, Patriot way gone wrong on steroids – and what he did well 
is wiped away. Matt Patricia could get hired as a defensive coordinator. The next coach of the Texans could hire Matt Patricia as the defensive coordinator. And I'd be like, all right, I mean, that makes sense. He can go back to what he was doing because he's just calling a defense. He's not a head coach guy. He's not in charge of the culture. He's not in charge of the locker room. I'll take him. He can go back to what he was doing before. When you're a character coach, when you're a guy who's in charge of culture and you've let the culture get this bad on your watch and now all of a sudden there are trust issues and there's negative stuff that comes in, you cannot go back to what you were doing before. There have been failed head coaches that have gone back as coordinators and done what they were doing before. And you know what? They picked up right where they left off and they still hung around the league for 15, 20 years. Rod Marinelli, 0-16 in Detroit. He was awful. He goes back to being a defensive coordinator and it's going just fine. He does his thing because he went back and he was able to do what he did before. Jack Easterby can't do that. There, 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 there's no way you can do that. And that's, that's, just, that's just how I look at it from afar. Uh, maybe Jamie Roots and Cal McNair think different, but I actually trust them to make the right decision. And I think even if there is a GM that liked Jack Easterby before, that was when he was behind the scenes, under the radar, not bringing any negative attention uh, to the situation. I feel like that's completely changed with these stories, regardless of, of how true they are or, or how true they aren't. And it's, it's really, it's all about buy-in from the fan base. You, you cannot get full buy-in from this fan base if Jack Easterby remains with this team. If, yeah, the it, general, if the general manager wants to keep him, sorry, you can't keep him. You can't get full buy-in if Jack Easterby is still catching a paycheck from the McNairs in 2021 and still has a hand in anything in that building. And this relates to what Landry mentioned earlier, which is the whole J.J. Watt fans on the same page after the O'Brien firing. Clearly, that was true to a large extent, but it's not true to 100% because of the presence of Easterby. The easiest thing for them and for Jack himself is to have a, a fresh, clean slate, new GM, new head coach, everybody, the organization, the fan base can move forward after 2020 with no baggage heading into this, this next era of Texans football. That's clearly the absolute best strategy for them. Gentlemen, I think we've covered it all here. Indeed. Thus ends the emergency podcast. <laughs>